episode of the tome show is brought to you by novel night where out of print is available again as well as those of you who go shopping at amazon and dms guild through the affiliate links and our patrons who support us at patreon.com slash the tome show conceptions stay right there let me answer your questions i'll clear up all your misconceptions you don't dress up to play D. you don't dress up to play D. you don't dress this episode of the tome show number whatever this is 288 yeah, it is. Yes, sir. 288 is a behind the DM screen takeover episode. That's why. Oh, I, uh, that's right. I, I have completely gone unscripted. Uh, I've got bullet points uh, scribbled on scratch paper with a colored pencil, just like I do when I plan the behind the DM screen episodes. And so that's why I don't sound like I know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're calling it a behind the DM screen takeover episode because. Uh, we are without Tracy. She is as her throat is not doing well tonight, so she's taking a, taking the evening off. Uh, and Con we, cred. Yeah, that, probably. And we have, as you just heard, Sam Dillon, the senior editor for the Tome Show, on the episode, as well as Mike Shea. Mike, say hi. Hello. There he is. Uh, and we are the three people who host uh, Behind the DM Screen, and we had a topic that came up on a recent episode of Behind the DM Screen, decluttering your gaming life, and decided to turn it into an advice episode, so the three of us are taking over the Tome Show and giving you some advice on how to declutter your gaming life. Does that cover what I need to cover in the, in the intro? Yeah. Sure. I, I thought we were going to yell at Sam because he hates players. That's I mean, that's episode. later. Is that's, that next that's episode? Later. Okay. Feel, feel, feel I'll, free. I'll hold my, I'll hold my rage. Yeah. On, on, in, <laughs> in, which, in which context does, in which context does the Sam hate players? Mike oh, doesn't need context. No, I don't. I don't. I choose not to use context. Oh, okay. I, I, I find it easier that way. <laughs> uh, no, we were talking at the last. I think right. I think it was on the record um, about whether or not we that, should help last... our players uh, yeah. identify when they're getting in over their heads in a battle. Yes, I, I I remembered the conversation. I just couldn't remember where where it was. <laughs> yeah. I was when, on the last behind the DM. Behind screen. the DM screen. Okay, cool. All right, so we're not talking about that today. Now we, we'll bookmark that one. We, yeah, maybe add that to a possible future advice episode. We are talking about decluttering <laughs> your game and gaming life because uh, Sam recently went through a a large decluttering session, uh, and Mike is intensely interested in that, and I want to hear uh, how that all plays out. But before we get into that, I want to mention our sponsor, Noble Knight. Go to noblenight.com. They are a brick-and-mortar game store with an online store as well. They specialize in finding uh, hard-to-get, out-of-print, uh, no-longer-around things. I mean, they're obviously still around. They're not selling you vaporware. Um, and my pick for this episode is an old Dragon Dice dice bag, Uh Way back in the day of the age of TSR, they they created the this Dragon Dice game, and it came with a the starter set came with a sort of a leatherish uh, dice bag. This one is red, and it's got the TSR logo on it with you know TSR and the winged dragon in, in the middle. Uh, pretty darn cool th- looking thing, piece of D and D history, and and seven dollars, which is totally affordable for something that's relatively hard to find. So that's my Noble Knight uh, pick for the episode, and that's the kind of stuff you find at Noble Knight. Remember when a Sarak built a tomb in Greyhawk? Noble Knight does. Remember when we stood against the giants? Noble Knight does. 
Remember Thaco? Noble Knight, that is. Remember when the legendary Dragonlance was recovered to win the war? Noble Knight does. Remember Spelljammer? Mistara? Dark Sun? Planescape? Noble Knight does. Remember Chainmail? First edition? AD&D 3.5 4E? Noble Knight does. Remember all the stories you haven't told yet? All the games you haven't played? Noble Knight. A game store with all the best games from today and tomorrow and back through the ages of gaming history. Head over to thetomeshow.com to find a link to Noble Knight, where Out of Print is available again. And be sure to tell them that the Tome Show sent you. <laughs> all right, we are back, uh, and we're going to declutter our gaming life. Uh, so I, I jotted down three bullet points of things to ask about and talk about. So, uh, you know, that's because we're a behind-the-DM-screen uh, takeover episode. So the first thing I want to ask, and, and this could go either way, because, Mike, you are very interested in the concept of decluttering your gaming life, and Sam mm-hmm. has recently experienced with this. Uh, so my question is why? Why should I declutter my my gaming life? Oh man, can I can I start, Sam? You're you you've actually done it. Yeah, do uh, it. But I I have some thoughts, and I would love your your feedback on them. Yeah, let's um, hear. Them. So a big one. Uh, so so there's a few that come to mind. Uh, one of them is it makes it easier for you to prepare your games because you have less stuff to prepare. Um. Two, it makes your game more open because more open to evolving at the table because you have less stuff that you're sort of focused on that has to come into play that you feel has to come into play during the game. And when you don't have that stuff, uh, the game can kind of go in any direction it feels like it's going and you have to be good at improv improvising and good at reacting. Now, Mike, I've been hearing you give that excuse for literally years Forever. but yeah, you still pull out the 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 dragon or the the dungeon tiles yes <laughs> okay. right i do yes this is this is why like i don't consider myself like the 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 expert on this right <laughs> you talk but, a good game but you but don't I'm, follow through I'm ready to make, well i'm ready to make a profound statement okay uh and i've been thinking about this i wrote it down like in my little text editor uh about a week ago before i remembered that we were doing this show and the statement is, I, I literally have thousands of dollars spent on miniatures and spent on terrain over the past 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. And all of that stuff, here's the hypothesis I am going to throw out there. And then we can, we can kind of argue about this, maybe. Mm-hmm. And my hypothesis is that <clears throat> all that stuff makes my games worse. That's, that's you know, I'm running... My my games aren't as good as they could be because mm-hmm. of all the stuff that I've got. All the superfluous stuff. And, and and it's the kind of stuff that a lot of gamers I think look at and, and the right. the first the first thought is like that would be kind of fun, right? Uh, uh, that'd be cool you know, to, to do some things and add add yeah. a little spice or whatever, and then it becomes uh, a, a, an addiction. Right? Yeah. And pretty right, soon right. pretty and, soon you're getting all the Dwarven Forge and, and backing all the, the yeah. miniature the Reaper Kickstarters and everything. Both of which I have done in the last oh, yeah. two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, so there, there's that whole part of it, which is I, I think that when one starts to get into terrain and one starts to get into miniatures, that one is getting into a hobby that never ends mm-hmm. and, and is never complete. And you never have all of them that you need. And, you know, the, the only it's, it's like it's a never it's a never winning 
direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so that's, that's something I've been like, so I've been, I, I used to run as, as you know, and I don't want to make Mike Shea show. So I'll shut up here in a second, but like every fourth, show is the Mike Shea show. I know. Well, as it should be. So it's the Mike Shea Tome show network, you know, right. Nice. I should get more money. So, um, <laughs> The uh, in fourth edition, you kind of yeah, I don't want to say you had to, but it was it was as close as you could say to you had to have tactical maps and miniatures. It was intended to play with tactical maps and miniatures. Yeah. Uh, Pathfinder, by by the rules in the book, um, is designed to be played with tactical maps and miniatures. It says so. Starfinder, their new one, says it expects that you're using a tactical gridded map and miniatures. Um, and third when, edition was like that as well. Third, it just wasn't. It wasn't exactly as explicit, right. but it was expected. Was. I, I don't remember. Three point five was yeah. I've literally read the other rule books recently, and 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 I, I saw very clearly where it said that it had that ex, that had those expectations. And so you know, for whatever the five years we were playing four E, that's how I played. Was you always had that stuff, you know? And I built some pretty great arrangements full table big 12 foot long arrangements you know and and it was cool and people liked it um but recently i've been kind of mixing and matching and i've done a lot of theater of the mind and and have been promoting theater of the mind to the point where i got a bunch of people angry at me about it and uh running a lot of theater of the mind and 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 now i kind of go back and forth i'll run some sessions theater of the mind and i'll run some sessions with a lot of terrain like great big castles you know i got the castle kickstarter for dwarven forge so i built these enormous light up castles like people would look at them and you know i'd get many favorites because it's like leds and fake smoke and miniature all the right miniatures and everything else and um i think that while the miniatures and terrain are more fun they are not nearly as fun as the amount of effort and cost uh, that they add. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like it's the, the cost, while the while the joy is like on a you know slightly linear s- slope, the cost is exponential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the cost is significantly higher. Um, and that's so can that's I, something I'm exploring. So now I'll shut up. Can I ask you a question? You meant, you said something a minute ago. You said you've been talking about theater of the mind. To the point where some people are upset with you. Can you? Are they upset because you you've tilted away from from describing how to best use these items, or or do they think that you're um, like proselytizing something that they don't appreciate, or what? What's the basis more there the, of that? The no one no one actually remembers anything that I did before. Generally, no one's thinking about <laughs> everyone's thinking about themselves. No one's thinking about anyone else at all. Um, and but but most of the reason why people are against it is be, I believe that. They like the grid, um, and they 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 feel like going to theater of the mind gives in some cases gives the DM too much agency over the game, and in and in other and and takes agency away from them. And I think they're right. You know, I think that and and I you know I think that when we go to theater of the mind from a grid from tactical maps and minis and stuff mm-hmm. we're rem- we we're actually removing some of the options that they have and it takes effort on the dm to kind of give them that agency back right and it's not it's not smooth like it's not i've got players well, who are more than happy to play it but they still say things like well how close are they mm-hmm. and then i'm like well it doesn't matter what do you want to do and they're like well i don't really want to tell you yet you know like it's right. like negotiation that takes place on a fireball. Right? There's, there's like, still there's still an inherent sort of almost oppositional relationship between right. players and, yeah. and DMs that, that that is is not an inherent 
in some ways it's not inherent in other ways it's a completely natural part of the game because they're the heroes and you're the thing throwing obstacles in their way so yeah right right um and that yeah so the, the last point i will make is i know that i've started to feel having having gone back and forth between theater of the mind and 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 gridded maps and minis i know i become more adversarial when i'm using a map and minis mm. my my role as a dm shifts from trying to tell an interesting story and trying to give a lot of cool scenes to the characters trying to show off what the characters can do mm. to how am i going to beat them down with these with these uh, monsters that i threw on the table or, or how am i going to optimize my my play of the monsters in right. order to provide a, as much of a challenge as i can right yeah. right and all of that comes at the the you know the added cost of having all of this stuff because right. the investment, I now have a sunk cost, right? I paid all that money, and I've got all this stuff. And if it's just sitting in a box, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's, that, that sucks. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll shut up now. Okay, Sam, so what, what about your thoughts? Why, why, why declutter your gaming life? So for me, I, I don't relate it to cost. Because for me, that actually makes it harder to, to make decisions about what to get rid of, what to keep, what to purchase because of the sunk cost fallacy. Because there's an idea that once you have invested a little bit, well, you should invest a little bit more to make it even better. And then you need to invest a little bit more to make right. it even better. And you, uh, most people, it's sort of, a, it's, it's a psychological thing. Once you've invested a, a certain amount, you find it a lot easier to keep investing even if you can identify deficiencies or inefficiencies in the the use of these items right the, and this isn't just a gaming thing this is just a human psychology right. thing anything that someone spends a lot of money on it's really hard to stop spending more money right. yeah. people throw good money after bad all the time right. even though they have already identified the deficiencies in the things that they're investing right. in an economist um, would look at a situation where you've you've put money into to fixing up a car that's broken down and that right. that work didn't do the job and it's still you know something's still wrong with it so do you throw more money after trying to fix the car or do you just cut right. bait and sell the car right. well at this point you're thinking well i've already put two hundred dollars in this thing i'd i'd hate for it to you know i'd hate to give up now and, and you know i want to make it work and so you just keep throwing right. money at it and pretty soon right. you know ignoring the fact that it's it should be a completely different decision every single time um, that has nothing to do with the decisions you made in the past, but, right. um, so, but we're not good so, at that. Yeah, so right. that, that happens, and so I don't relate the decisions to cost anymore. Now, for new purchases, I do, because for a new purchase, for something that I haven't already invested in or a game I haven't already invested in, it's easier to say, wow, that's really expensive. I don't know if I'm going to use it. And in that case, I can use cost as a prohibitive measure. Right. But in terms of trying to declutter and, and, uh, and get rid of stuff that I already own or stop investing in stuff that I've already started investing in, I can't use that cost argument. This is for me, right? I'm not saying it doesn't work for other people, mm -hmm. but for me, I can't use because I know that I I'm I fall I fall prone to that, you know, uh, that sunk cost fallacy. I'm mm -hmm. really susceptible to that, especially because it's my hobby. This is gaming. I love this stuff. You know, I, 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 you know, we've been talking about now on a couple of BT, you know, behind the DM screen episodes, and and I've been talking with Mike, and you know, like and. 
it's like I think part of the reason that Mike is so fascinated is because on one hand I'm saying I love this stuff. I love my maps. I love Dwarven Forge. I love my minis. Mm-hmm. But then I got rid of it. And I think that is a, such a dissonant, you know, those two things are such a huge paradox. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why it fascinates him. And he he wants to know about the psychology behind, okay, why did, how could I make those decisions? Like, how do we come to this decision? Because that doesn't make sense when you love something and then you get rid of it. Okay, but yeah, but so- you but you didn't just decide not, to, you didn't decide just to stop throwing good money at bad. You right. you opted to then get rid of a bunch of the stuff that you'd already right. invested in. So so talk That's about right. going that next step. Yeah. Why do that? So, um, I had five or six bookcases worth of books. Well, let me let me be more specific. I had six bookcases full, six five shelf. That's thirty shelves of bookcases. Full of RPG books. Books or, not, or products and terrain and nope, miniatures and all that? Books. Just books. You books. had a problem. That's a problem. I'm not talking about my minis. I'm not talking about the Dwarven Forge. I'm not talking about dice. I'm not talking about maps or extraneous posters and all that. We're talking just books. But, you know, I've been in the hobby since 1982. Okay? I have not. So I had <laughs> 40 years worth of material that i had collected mm-hmm. okay and i moved it around with me sometimes i had to store it because i needed to go places where i couldn't take a lot of things i mean like i've had i had a lot of stuff for a long time and i got to this place uh where I, there were times in my life where i didn't have very much gaming going on then there were times where I had more gaming going on. I got to this point where I had a lot of gaming going on. And I realized when I had, I was running like two or three different games. One of them was weekly. One of them was every two weeks. One of them was monthly, but for a really long time. Like I had I, a ton of game. It was like, it was an embarrassment of riches in terms of gaming. And, and um, I was still purchasing stuff and I still kept everything I had. And, I looked around and I realized that none of these games that I'm prepping caused me to use the majority of the items sitting on those shelves behind me. And I started thinking about the clutter that it creates in the literal space in Mm -hmm. my house at that time in my apartment and then the mental space that it takes up because when I... Uh, decide, okay, I'm going to run a new campaign or I'm going to run a different game. Or, oh, I, and, and when I try to decide, oh, do I want to buy into this new game? You know, if, I, if the question is, do I want to buy into this new RPG and it's a science fiction RPG? Well, I already have seven science fiction RPGs sitting on my shelf. Do I really need a new science fiction RPG? Or should I wait? And then if the choice is to wait, well, then what am I going to do with the other seven that I have? Am I wait? What am I waiting for with those? What is the likelihood that I will ever use those again? And I started asking myself these questions, and for months I like asked myself these questions. When I would go to prep a session or a new campaign, or when I was thinking about getting a new game, I would sit here and think to myself, "Okay, if I get this, okay, I can make space for it. 
Am I going to have time to read it? Am I going to have time to play it? Am I going to have time to really organize it in my brain so that I could use whatever parts of it that are really brilliant in the current games I'm running? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it turns out I had so much stuff that the answer to that question more often than not was no. Oh, yeah. No, I, I understand. Like, I, I back very few things on Kickstarter. I know that's another angle for a lot of people is they accumulate a lot of stuff that way. Uh, I back very few things on Kickstarter. I feel like I'm very selective about what I get, and yet somehow the, the two or three game products that I will pick up through Kickstarter every year go into a... Uh, I, do, I usually just get the PDF version so I don't take up space in my house at least, but it goes into a folder and, and it, it's to someday read and maybe I check out the first chapter or two sometime when I have free time, but like... Uh, I don't know if well, I'll so, e- I don't know if I'll ever finish reading Torg Eternity, even though it looks really cool, you know. Yeah. Well, so here's what I did, right? I I decided. Look, I'm a very sort of logical person. I I, I need to really think about things, and I thought about them long enough that I could separate the emotion from it, you know, because a lot of these things have nostalgic value, right? All right. Um, but aside, if I could set that aside for a minute, and I and I could make like some sort of little hinky algorithm about how I could get rid of things. And so I I sort of started thinking, okay, well, the next time I go to prep my game, I'm going to be really intentional about what resources I use when I prep. And and do I go to the internet or do I go to something I've got on my shelf? Mm -hmm. Which one's better? And I started really paying attention and sort of writing down little notes to myself about, well, here, you know, yeah, you went to the book that was on the shelf, but the internet actually was better that time. So when you're doing this sort of activity, the internet's better. Um, and what is it, what's the likelihood that you're ever going to be in a place where you don't have the internet and you absolutely need that so that you're going to need that book? And if the likelihood is close to zero, that book can go. I can, t- I can tell you're, you're a researcher uh, by trade, right? Because you're taking a very sort yeah. of analytical, like collecting data. and yeah, but, no, See, the thing is, though, but, you know, it's, it still works if you, even if you're not analytical. Because if you, if you look around and you say, look, I've got these 30 shelves of books, uh, which ones haven't I used in a year? Mm-hmm. That already I can now split it into half, right? Right. And... Of those ones that I haven't used in a year, what's the likelihood I'm going to use those? And if I run that game, am I going to run that edition of that game? Or am I going to run a newer edition that I also probably have sitting on the shelf? Are you suggesting I should get rid of my, my massive collection of AD&D stuff? Maybe. See, here's the thing. <laughs> there, there, are, there are some questions that you also have to ask, right? Like, I still have all of my basic D&D stuff mm-hmm. because it's my favorite edition. I still have played it. But at the time when I made the decision to keep all that, I didn't know if I was going to actually get to play it. Since then, I did actually. See, that's the, the – so, so let me actually go back and start answering your first question. Your first question is why get rid of stuff? Mm-hmm. Because if you have sm- a smaller amount of stuff, you will use it. Hmm. As I've, I've, I have some questions. Yeah. Um, wh- how do you feel about PDFs? So, I have a lot of PDFs, and I hate reading them on a computer screen because I have a computer screen in front of me half the day for my job. And I make presentations and do all kinds of different things on a computer. And when I want to sit down and read something that I'm going to enjoy, I hate doing it on a computer. But I'm trying to be more intentional about what I do. So I don't like PDFs um, if I'm going to be using a book at the table. Like I, 
I probably wouldn't bother with getting a PDF of, say, the, the D&D 5e Player's Handbook because I have that, and I if I reference it at the table, I want it in front of me. I don't want it on, like, a PDF reader. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, if it's an item that I'm probably not going to use very much or I'm only going to reference if I'm prepping, I'm totally fine having it as mm-hmm. that thing that I sort of have available, but it's not really taking up space. Yeah, and that's um, a, that sounds like a workflow issue to me, because when I'm DMing, like, I have a screen in front of me, and it's way easier for me to access something in a PDF and jump back and forth between pages than it is for me to do it in a physical book, so. Yeah, I, I, I picked up one of those big-ass iPads, the iPad, the large iPad Pros, the Pro. and, and I use that as a PDF reader. Um, so, like, Starfinder just came out, right? Mm-hmm. Starfinder's great, and the PDF is a steal. It's $10 for a 500-page PDF, right? right? I'm like, if it was in Latin, I would still buy it, right? <laughs> just, just for the artwork alone. Right. And just because of the amount of money they clearly put into it. But, I, you know, I'm like, well, I don't, you know, like you, I'm like, I'm not, I looked at that book and I said, I'm probably going to play it. I got a friend of mine who's going to run a campaign. I'm probably going to play it. But I don't think I want to buy a 500-page big-ass book when I've got the Pathfinder core book sitting over here and mm-hmm. I haven't really opened that. So, uh, so I specifically bought the PDF because... But buying PDFs to me feels like it's almost free, not in money, but in the emotional, that emotional mm-hmm. baggage that you're talking about. Right. I don't, yeah. I don't feel that way with PDFs. Like I have hundreds of PDFs, you know, maybe thousands. Of how PDFs. many of those have you read? Very little. Yeah. You know, now how many have I so skimmed? Why have... Well, so I'm not going to delete them, right? Like, well, it, yeah, it... no, but so, yeah. So in that case, since they're not taking up <laughs> space to get well, rid they of are. them, you just have to put them out of mind, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're taking up megabytes. Like my well, Apple, yeah, but my Apple iCloud account is getting close to full. They're not um, taking up physical space in your literal physical meat right, space. That's right. right. And, so and that's, you can you can ignore them, and it doesn't hurt you to not use them. Yeah, and there's definitely been times where I bought a PDF and said, "Ugh, like why did I buy that? I'm never going to run it. I'm never going to barely read it." And and then there are times like so. Robert Schwab had his um, Shadows of the Demon Lord campaign, right? Yes. And were you guys in that? Yeah, so I'm in on that, and I have the physical book of the core book, but and then so many PDF adventures. Like I'm like, I can run nothing but Shadow of the Demon Lord for two years. Forever, (laughs) two years. I can run that forever. And um, so, so that's one where it's like, I mean, they were literally coming in once a week, and I would take it, and I'd be like at a Mm -hmm. coffee shop, like, oh, and I would just. I would, I would literally get annoyed, like, oh, another one. And then yeah, it would download I was the same it, way. <laughs> have a shadow of the Demon Lord folder, and I would throw it into the folder. And I, I would at least open it and usually skim the art and maybe get a little quick summary of, like, is this cool? And I think it's useful for that. Like, am I going to go back and read them all? I probably lost half of them. I probably don't know where they are, mm. right? But, yeah. but the interesting thing is, like, my hoarding of PDFs. So, so uh, you know, one, one thing that's interesting, you talk about the four bookshelves that you had. And while I've got a lot of maps and minis, I'm looking at it now, and I have two bookshelves with with books, just shelves, not cases. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and one of the reasons why is because I almost twice a year go through them and I say, "Am I ever? Am I going to use this? Or do I use it? Do I really want it? Do I want to have it on hand? And if not, I give it away at a local gaming convention, mm-hmm. right? I throw it, and, and literally, like once a year, I usually have a clothes basket full of old books that I can mm-hmm. barely carry. I take it and they make it part of their auction system and then the money goes to good good causes sure. and that's like yeah. the easiest way for me to go through my physical books and get rid of them so i don't hoard those i do hoard minis and i do hoard terrain mm-hmm. and i um and i hoard pdfs like crazy but it doesn't feel like hoarding well and, which and is interesting the pdf thing for me is more of a of a 
financial discussion in my head. Like, and Sam sort of alluded to this as well. Like, I will when I make a decision about a PDF, I, I will look at it and, and think to myself, okay. If I get this – like I mentioned like on Kickstarter, for example, I always end up uh, – if I back something, I always back it at the digital level. Like I don't want another physical product in my in my room or in my house. I'm not – if I'm probably not going to play it very often, if at all, um, you know, I, I, but I'm interested, right? I'm interested enough to support it and whatever and so I get the, the digital version um, and, and it, it becomes a financial question of, OK, so – is it is this product worth the twenty five dollar investment given the the actual chance that I'm ever going to use it or play it or do anything with it? Now, Shadow of the Demon Lord, I, I thought turned out like yes, I was the same way. Like it was like okay, Rob, I get it. You're giving me a huge value for my money, but knock it off, or at least you know get all of the get all of the adventures and like bundle them and <laughs> send them in one download or whatever. Like it was. It I mean, was, I was I joke because I met I saw him at, at uh, Origins and yeah. I was like Rob stop yeah no like, I, stop I, sending me all this awesome free stuff right, right? I, but I wasn't really mad like no no, no. I, and I told him the same thing and and I would let the yeah. emails and actually I'm sure you got I, that feedback yeah, a lot I, I would I would let the emails all all back up and then download like twenty of them at a time you know uh, but yeah. those are really good for like because they're sh- nice short little adventures they're easy to read like if I needed a one shot and I needed to figure it out this morning for an afternoon game like that that's what I go to I skim those titles I look for one that looks interesting and I read a few of them and they say okay this is the one I'm going to run mm-hmm. uh, so I actually see a lot of value in something like that I have other, it's, others it's though where I have whole games that I'm, I'm probably never going to play um, and sometimes those are worth the investment like I, I think the investment I made in Dusk City Outlaws um, could play off uh, turn out well if I ever find the time to actually read it, you know, I'm really interested in the Torg Eternity stuff. So I, I, I'm still okay with, with my investment there if I ever get the chance to read it, um, you know, because life is busy right now. Um, so, yes, I, I'm not entirely immune to, to some of this clutter myself. Um, but, Mike, uh, Sam, you were going to say? Well, I was just going to say it's interesting that you guys brought up Shadow of the Demon Lord because I did the same thing. I got the the core book uh, in hardcover, and then I got like an email a week for like three <laughs> years, yeah. you know. Um, and I never complained. I just thought, wow, this is really cool. You know, he he really like in terms of value for what I paid. Yeah, right. I mean, that's probably the highest value yeah. you know yeah. that I got out of any Kickstarter. And I backed 182 Kickstarters. Okay, yeah. so. Um, it's interesting that you brought that up because I got the the hard copy of the book and I read through about half of it and I realized I'm never going to run this game. And if I play the game, I could use the PDF. So I sold the book and now all my PDFs are just sitting in, in a, in a mm-hmm. folder somewhere. Um, so see, I started to do that with new things that I bought. It was more difficult for me to go through things I already owned in hard copy that weren't newer things from a Kickstarter or whatever. Um, But as to the PDF thing, there are some books that are really, really good in like holding the book in your hands. Like I I grew up a reader, so I Mm -hmm. love the tactile turning a page and looking at the art and feeling the, the thickness of the pages and the cover, you know, like I love that I'm total book geek. Um, but some some games are just really awesome to have in your hands. Like Dungeon Crawl Ca- Classics RPG has such an interesting layout, and there's there's little art on almost every single page. And then some pages have like these just huge explosions of art. And and 
it's just not as compelling in PDF. It's still a great PDF, but the book in my hand is just beautiful hmm. and really well done. And so some things I don't get rid of because I don't – it's not that I don't like the PDFs. It's that I feel like the experience is better in some sure. cases without – you know, with having the hard copy. No, so, so it sounds like, like Sam, you had a, a pretty serious, like, logistical reason to, to declutter things because you were taking up a huge amount of space. Um, well, um, I mean, you know, I have, I'm, you know, my wife and I don't have kids. We have a house. I have a whole, I have, I have my own office, you know, sure. in the house. So it wasn't actually the case where we don't have, we literally don't have space. Okay. Uh, it was that for me physically, I just thought to myself, what the hell do I have all this stuff for? Honestly. Sure. Because I mean, one day I, I was prepping and I looked around and I thought, man, I haven't used that set of books ever. And that set of books is really great, but I never use it. Okay. And, and that goes to the same point I was going to make with Mike, who's, whose idea is more of a, if I have less of this clutter distracting me, I will be a, a better DM, right? Um, well, Notice that the impetus for my sort of epiphany moment thing was I realized I didn't use that thing when I prepped. Right. So, so it was so, still related to the game. So my question is, though, um, then why do you have to get rid of the stuff, right? If it's just about yeah. not spending all the time doing the prep and setting up the terrain and getting out the miniatures and all of that, then why not just set the miniatures and the, the terrain aside and ignore it and, and do the prep and whatever without the, you know, and just ignore the things that you know are, you're going to ignore. I mean, if you were already ignoring it, that's why you got rid of it and, and the space in, is not an issue, the clutter yeah. is not an issue, then why not just in, keep it on the shelf for nostalgia reasons? What, what good is it doing you to get rid of it? Yeah. In the case of minis and, and like, and, and Dwarven Forge, mm-hmm. um, I think that stuff is such high quality that it was a waste to have it sitting on my shelf, honestly, because I knew uh, because when I made the the decision to get rid of the Dwarven Forge, I made a distinct decision to keep my like flip mats and my you know my Wizards of the Coast paper map maps and and my uh, tokens, mm-hmm. uh, and I got rid of miniatures like three dimensional miniatures, and I got rid of uh, the Dwarven Forge stuff. Um, and I, the reason I did that partly was uh, because I knew that I could sell it for a boatload of money <laughs> for that stuff in particular. Um, so why not? Um, but really, it was just about if I'm never going to use it again, having it made it kept me in that loop of wanting to back the next Kickstarter. Yeah. But, you know, buy into the castle one, buy into the city one, buy into the really awesome dungeon one. That stuff is so beautiful. You want it. You will you may one day use it for the massive, you know, setup. Mm-hmm. And and it would it would have kept me in that sort of uh, addictive loop that you right. talk about. Yeah, I suspected it. I suspected it with with especially with Mike because you know I know Mike so well. I, I kind of suspected a lot of it had to do with with a willpower. It has to do with willpower mm-hmm. issue. Like if I suspect Mike, if you have a bunch of dwarven forge and miniatures laying around, you will look. For, you will find excuses to use them even when it's not optimal. Well, so I haven't been. I, I haven't been recently. Um, but there's definitely like an, an added amount of decision mana that gets burned that I burn mm-hmm. when I'm thinking about a uh, an adventure that I'm going to run, and then consider can I do this with Dwarven Forge? If I was to do it with Dwarven Forge, what would it look like? Uh, I've had situations where I built an entire Dwarven Forge arrangement, 
beautiful and then looked at it and said you know what this this isn't matching what the intent of the adventure is and then put it all Mm -hmm. tore it all down again right and that was a lot of wasted effort so there is there is this sort of like when 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 you know i have too many options available and the too many options actually makes it harder for me to just focus on on what i want but like once i make the choice so like yesterday i ran an adventure and um i had considered it building with jordan forge but then i'm like well this is like it's a stone giant tomb Right. And stone giant. So that means the the narrowest corridor is 20 feet. Right. It's a big. So, so, uh, you know, I'm like, it's too big. And then I had an idea for a room and I'm like, this room is 500 feet. Right. It's enormous because it's this huge altar to the stone giant God. So, you know, it's the statue is 150 feet high. So I don't have a mini that's that scale. So I said, forget it. I'm just going to sketch it like on my little foot mat, you know. And I did, yeah. and it was fine. It was a great game, and well, everybody enjoyed. It. And I actually found that I've I've adjusted the way I run my game, but but I haven't gone through the de- I, like I've decluttered my game, right. but I haven't decluttered my life. Like I still have all yeah. the stuff, right. but I stopped using like I I never invested in the Dwarven Forge. I'm not that person. Um, mm-hmm. And but I I have invested a lot in miniatures. I've I have maps, and I and I, in fourth edition, as you said, like tactical maps were kind of the thing, and and we were all big into investing into the dungeon tiles and building the three D terrains with a, a cardstock and whatever, right? So I I have a bunch of that stuff, but I I kind of made a decision through the course of playtesting fifth edition and then and then launching some of the early campaigns for fifth edition that like it runs theater of the mind decently well, and like. I can finish most of my combats faster than I could get up and draw a map for it. Or espe- right. And especially if I was using using dungeon tiles and having to construct something and it would never be quite right anyway and, and all that stuff. So so I kind of just made the decision to, to limit my amount of clutter of extra stuff anyway. Uh, and so, I, I, I mean, I pull out the map. My goal lately, because I think I went too far, I went like four or five, maybe six months without having a single map. Um, and it was pestering some of my players. I actually lost a player. I don't think for that reason specifically, but I knew he was annoyed because he never. We never use maps anymore. Right before he left, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and whatever. So, but so I've I've gone back to like trying to draw one map on my big uh, you know wet erase uh, mat that's on in the middle of the table every game anyway. It just usually sits there and never gets used. So I've been drawing one map that I anticipate a location that they might be going to. Um, mm-hmm. And it's ready to go, and maybe they go there, and maybe they don't, and they'll get their next session or whatever. Either way, I, I draw it. It's not a huge investment. I take you know fifteen twenty minutes to to copy a map down. Uh, I don't feel compelled then to send them there. They get a little bit of the tactical for a big combat and whatever. Uh, but I didn't. I haven't gotten rid of any of my stuff. In fact, I keep buying more miniatures, even though I use them way less than I ever used to. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and some of that's some of that some of what Sam was talking about, right? It's that addictive thing. It's like, well, I've got miniatures, and I could always have a more complete selection because I don't. Ha- I only have four or five kobolds and you know I, I i might need 20 someday or you know uh <laughs> I, I, I only have so many elementals what if they run into a earth elemental i don't have one of those mm-hmm. actually i do but right you know, or what, i have two earth elementals but i don't have three right yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's always uh, it's always an amount or there's a new set that came out and i want to you know support the local game store when i pop in so i'll buy it <laughs> i'll buy a box of minis or whatever so i keep i don't buy many but i'll i'll buy one or two boxes of minis uh, of each set that comes out you know and, and mm-hmm. supplement yeah. what i have uh, and some of that's yeah. just addictive even though I'm, I'm 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 using the minis but i'm not using them that horribly often you know Right. So, so, you know, I'm kind of in that same spot where like, 
I, you know, I, I completely like the whole reason that I sort of latched on to the, the, the thing that Sam did is like, I'm envious of it, you know, but I'm also like, I am not going to get rid of my stuff. Right? Like, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, you know, right now I, you know, my, my, my brain is not yet, you know, I, I, I made my bold statement, right. That I feel like your game the is investment worth it, that, I, yeah, that the, that the, the investment I have in miniatures yeah. and terrain is actually making my games. Mm -hmm. That's a hypothesis. I'm not even sure I right. agree with that, but I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure I agree with it. Right. And, and, and yeah, I, I did I, I get actually, rid of my stuff. Right. 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 So that's interesting, right? Like that, um, you know, that, that it, it's interesting that somebody who has got, so you, yeah, let me, let, 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 hang on. Let me dig, let me, let me put that aside for a second. I want to come back to that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so while I respect it and while I kind of recognize it, the truth is not only am I not going to get rid of my Dwarven Forge stuff and I'm not going to get rid of my um, minis. Now, I have gotten rid of a lot of Dwarven Forge stuff. Like I had all their old resin stuff. All the mm -hmm. resin stuff basically is gone. I sold it all. And now all I have is their um, Dwarvenite stuff. And, you know, I, I, I will probably regularly go through that and say, do I use this? Is it useful? Is it, is it good for the game? If it's not, I'm going to sell it. Because it actually sells for a pretty good price. I'd like to do the same thing with minis. That I, eventually, I want to go through all my minis and pull out the ones that just suck, right? And just have g a, a good minis. And um, so, but I am not ready to make a commitment. Not only am I not ready to make a commitment to get rid of what I've got, other than what I just described, getting rid of some of the, the bottom, you know, filtering out the bottom stuff. But I did invest heavily in the most latest Dwarven Forge Kickstarter, and <laughs> I'm right about to invest not super heavily, but you know. I'm getting the base set, probably a couple of extras of the the new Reaper mini, even though I've got bags of Reapers that I haven't painted yet. Yeah. Right. Sitting upstairs in my in my bedroom, um, and it's because it's a good deal, and I look at them and I like them, and I and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I want to rock. It's got a rock. You know? <laughs> See, that's what. That, so you know, and I, uh, let me just make this extremely clear. I'm not saying that y'all suck. Yeah. Anybody should get rid right. of their stuff. Like right. I. I think, you know, look, I've been doing this since 2011. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's slowly been that, that long it out. of a process. Yeah. And I just sold the Dwarven Forge and the minis last year. Right. right. Well, and, right. and, and Mike, so, if, you, if you end up going a year or two and realizing you haven't used a single Dwarven Forge thing, then maybe you start to move to a different place in this, in this right. journey. And, you know? and, and what will end up happening is, like, I'll look at the castles and I'll say, you know, and I, and I kind of had this idea as soon as I got the castles in. The, the versatility I thought I was going to get, I didn't really get. With the mm -hmm. castles Kickstarter, I thought I'd be able to use it for more things than I can. So it's pretty likely that the castles are going to get sold, or at least a good piece of them are going to get sold. Mm -hmm. And you know, so I, I sell the pieces that I just that I that I look at and go, I really don't think I'm going to use that. Um, now I tend to replace it with new stuff, so sure. it's not like a you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 not quite a zero sum game. Um, yeah, and and Sam, I'm not. I mean, none yeah. none of this conversation is uh, you know that I feel like you're preaching to us saying we should. Oh do yeah, this. no, no, yeah, no. And and, I, and I hope because I just for our listeners, I know you guys aren't because I you know we right. we know each other kind of right. I mean, it's a, but our our listeners, like I just want to make it clear. Look, I I liked fourth worked edition. I, I loved fourth edition when you know and and it worked for me. And I have and that's where I still have all of my my dungeon tiles and I have the you know the the little tokens and I I I even I think I mentioned on the behind the DM screen I bought several boxes of like the pathfinder you know the this the cardboard standees and all that stuff mm -hmm. so i still have that stuff if i want it but ba basically what i did was i made a decision to get out of the plastic miniatures and dwarven forge loop by selling it all 
Right. And, just... and I replaced my ba- I replaced my basic collection with the maps and dungeon tiles I already had, and then I bought I think I made I bought some Arknight like miniatures and uh, you know they're not really miniatures they're no, like the they're tokens, the flat plastic they're, minis yeah, yeah they're, they're flat plastic I, I have those too <laughs> yeah right I know but I, I'm just saying like so I it's not that I totally just threw out everything and said all right I'm never using this again mm-hmm. like I just decided that I couldn't do the 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 miniature and the and the dwarven forge anymore because I wasn't using it to the biggest value that I could even when I was playing fourth edition right right. So, and 4th edition was built so that it was meant to have these really awesome set-piece encounters Mm. where having a three-dimensional, very visually arresting scene was part of the game. And it was awesome. 5th edition isn't quite like that, of course. You know, we all know. Um, And, you know, it, it, it is able to straddle the line between being able to go 100% theater of the mind. We didn't pull out a single map or mini in my last session. But mm-hmm. the session before that, I had my boat out, and they had their miniatures, you know, mm-hmm. and whatever. So uh, I, I mix it up now. Mm-hmm. And they, they always have a regional map. They always have a sort of sketched map of, of the area so that everyone can get their bearings. Right. But I'm trying to, tr- to train my players to be okay with letting their imaginations... You know, you, you you sort of it's it's a mindset. You the, the, for the players at the table, they have to be okay with not having the exact exact same vision in their head as all the other players and the DM. And that's why that negotiation thing comes up, right? That everybody thinks that well, if I'm used to having a map and minis, I gotta have this the exact pinpoint right. location yep. so that I can do the right thing. Right. And I'm trying to train my players away from that. Yeah. How many yeah. board games have you gotten rid of, Sam? Um, quite a few. <laughs> okay. Actually, quite, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, because, my, because I'm not much yeah. of a board gamer, but I know you are, and those take up a lot more space than RPG products. Yeah, I got a ton yeah. of board games my, too my, that I never Well, so play. my wife and I did a, a similar sort of algorithm. We sort of looked around and we said, well, we have our favorites. We have ones that we play all the time, and then we've got ones that we play every once in a while, and then we've got these this whole set of games that uh, we haven't played in like five years. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we put them on a maybe shelf, and uh, and we decided we play you know one one game from the maybe shelves. We're gonna try to play them like once a month. We're gonna try to play a game from the maybe shelf, and if we decide you know we might play it. We and you know sometimes you play a game and you have fun, but we're kind of like eh, yeah, but you know it's a lot like this other game that we have, and it, it hits these same notes as this other game over here. And mm. so if we were gonna play a game with those elements, we'd pick those other two games instead. We're not going to pick this one, so we decide to sell it. So we've mm-hmm. sold we've we've sold quite a few of those in the past couple of years. Okay. Um, but that also is a process, you know. I mean, it's not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not advocating for just people throwing out all their stuff because it takes oh, no. up space. Or, yeah, you know. no, you're not here to because we thought you'd be a good advocate for for getting rid of stuff. You're here because you've gone through a process that we're interested in. Yeah. Sam, there was something you brought up, and I and I interrupted you and said I wanted to bookmark that and come back to it. Yeah, and I I totally can't remember what it was. <laughs> do, do you remember what it was? Uh, Damn oh. it! It was good. It was really interesting, and I can't remember what it was. I don't remember. We'll, we'll have to listen to the podcast later. Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what, what it was. Part. Oh, speaking yeah. of which, that episode of Behind the Demon Screen with the 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 devil and the dome thing that I thought was a Sam thing, it wasn't. I figured it out. It was from Harmontown. 
There, I got that uh, on my chest. What are you talking about? <laughs> I accused yeah, you of. I, of the, I accused you of. Uh, well, not accused, but I, I thought you were describing a situation in your game, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of like that other thing you did. And I described it, and you're like, no, I don't think that was me. And then I remembered later. Oh yeah, that was an episode oh. of Harbin Town. <laughs> okay. I didn't even remember that. Yeah. So I mean, no, I but I did, it. and I meant to say something, and then the episode ended, and I forgot to say something. So there it is. <laughs> so the, uh, in fact, you know, there's one thing that occurs to me. I was I was listening to his great podcast. They were talking to a psychologist named Dan Gilbert. Have you ever, guys heard ever heard of him? He wrote a book called Stumbling on Happiness. He did a TED video about how happiness is completely intrinsic to people, and they the big study. And one of the things he determined is that people have a terrible time predicting how they're going to feel about something after they get it. Right. right. So. <laughs> When we go and Kickstarter is this huge example of like what my life is going to be like when I get the Dungeon of Doom Kickstarter. And in my mind, it's like, oh, it's going to be 10 times better than it is now with my crappy Dwarven Forge. Right. <laughs> when the reality is, no, it'll be more of the same that I've got. Right. <laughs> and and but the, the the way to break past that is to ask people how they how happy they are in mm. the situation they're currently in. And I think for right. someone listening to the show, depending on where they are, maybe some people have nothing and play theater of the mind. Mm -hmm. Maybe some people don't have much and kind of are thinking about maybe I should get in this mini thing and maybe I should get Dwarven Forge. Mm -hmm. And then some people are thinking maybe I should get out of Dwarven Forge. Yeah. You know? No, I no, I, I know the I know the study you're talking about and the idea yeah, the idea is that um Talk to people who are in the situation. Yeah, you're good. You're bad at predicting what your future happiness is going to be. Right. But so, so when you're making a decision, talk to people that have already made that decision. And, and well, that are actually in it now, right? It, so, yeah. so that and 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 I do remember what we were going to talk about, which is um. So my hypothesis is that mini oh, right. apps don't actually make yeah. the game better. And you said, right. well, I don't think that's true. And I actually, from my own experience, uh, I also think it's not true. And I and I was studying this in myself doing that same sort of like not, not so much a data analysis side but yes. just kind of really you know what i did is i while the dwarven forge dungeon of doom kickstarter was going on i ran a lot of games with dwarven forge to say mm -hmm. how do i feel about the stuff that i've got knowing that the stuff i'm getting is basically more of this mm -hmm. you know right. like, oh the, the the double doors are gonna be so much better you know mm. oh it's gonna be pillars you know I'm gonna have <laughs> thank god i got red pillars on the walls i hated having walls without red pillars yeah. and um the uh, and and what I discovered was it didn't make the game like and this is where I got that like sort of fake math in my head right that given the amount of the cost right um, yes. the happiness the happiness per dollar the ratio is not really that great right it's not about However, it's not about whether or not it's making you more happy it is it, but, but it, not, what's the return on investment right mm -hmm. right right and part of it is money because it's like well it's my only hobby. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough that my hobby actually earns money instead of instead of costs money. So, mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's like, well, it's not so bad because, you know, it to me, it, they like I write articles about it and the articles get hits and then so on and so forth. Right. And um, but but yeah, so 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 given that you're in the position now of not having that stuff, mm -hmm. how do you feel about what that stuff brings to the game? Um, you know, I think if I went and I sat down at a game, like at a game store or a convention, and somebody had the stuff set up, I'd be like, wow, this is going to be awesome. Um, and if they didn't, I'd be like, wow, this is going to be awesome. You know, I, <laughs> right. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, it's my, my fun level is not predicated on what's on the table. Right. Well, yeah. But, so so I, I've thought about it. Yeah. So I've thought about it the other way, too. Like, if I'm a player, like, if I go to an R, mm -hmm. I go to an LFR game or something like that, or a, uh, uh, organized play game and mm -hmm. i sit down and the guy's got nothing 
uh, and I look at another table, and the guy's got a huge Dwarven Forge setup. I would rather be in the one with the Dwarven Forge setup. Yeah, I would too. But I think I <laughs> but mean, not only, but not, it's not equal. It's not equal, but but it's not that much better. Yeah. It's not eight hundred times better. <laughs> uh, and you know what? And you know what? For me, it's investment of money is one thing, and, and it's a completely valid way for me to go at it because I I want to stay married, and I don't want my wife to get mad at me for spending <laughs> thousands of dollars on Dwarven Forge. My, my um, but but. Bird. Bigger than that for me is like I already have plenty of stuff. If I wanted to to do more, I could. But it's an issue of of time. Like like I could put it, it. All things considered, if if I had spent if if I could do it with with spending none of my time doing it, where I had a map ready to go for every single encounter and miniatures you know ready to go for every single monster and every single PC and whatever, like that would be awesome, and I would do it for every single encounter. But I don't have that set up ahead of time, and I don't want to spend hours getting it ready because I don't have hours to get it ready. And a wedding race, you know, uh, map that I threw together in 15 minutes before the game, and whatever random miniatures I can I can pull out of the box real quick, uh, that that suffices. And and we still have a really good time with it. So uh, it's just not worth all the extra so, time. That's that's interesting. So. Um, you, so when I answered you, I answered you as if that was the only table in the room, right? Sure. But if if I had a choice between the table that had no Dwarven Forge set up and the table that did have a Dwarven I would be the opposite of Mike. I'd stay at the one without Dwarven Forge. Yeah, mm. interesting. And, and part of the reason is because of what Jeff was saying. So what's really funny is that he just tied in the exact reason why I would stay at the one with no Dwarven Forge. Because when I prep my game and I would try to fit in a specific set of maps and have the minis or tokens for those and a specific set of Dwarven Forge build and all that kind of stuff, that took an awful lot of energy of my prepping time. Right. And even if I had it perfect, it still sucked away all that time, and I didn't have as much time to spend on other things in the game. Thinking about about NPCs and voices and, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not an assumption. It's more about... I want to see how somebody who doesn't have the map, the, the the benefit of the map or the benefit of the Dwarven Forge, how they provide me with descriptions and how they provide sure. me with yeah. a way to understand the game. Like that's what I want to know because yeah. that's what I'm doing. Like you can, it really is about my own where my own position is because I don't have the Dwarven Forge, so I'm constantly. Even though I don't spend time setting up maps in Dwarven Forge now, mm. I do spend time thinking about. Not as much time, but I do spend time thinking about, okay, how can I provide a description of this that's not just me reading off a bunch of facts and really set an atmosphere that makes the players understand the type of building that they're in or the type of structure they're in Mm -hmm. that makes it a compelling scene or makes it creepy or makes it interesting or if it's a carnival makes it seem fun and you know what i mean right um without the benefit of a visually arresting thing on the on the table well and part mm-hmm. of part of the appeal to me at least of, of if i'm if i'm in the room and there's the two those two tables i still probably like mike uh gravitate towards the dwarven forge but it has mm-hmm. not been a commonplace feature in my life. No, like, you, and it hasn't for me either. Right. Well, I mean, it, and, and it, 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 like, it's put in my mind, like, when my players show up to the table, are they happier when they see a Dwarven Forge arrangement or not? Right. I, I would be interested in it for the novelty because I've never played on Dwarven Forge before, and I'd like to. Right. You know, I'd like to see it out and see how it works. And, it's fun. I love using sure. it. Sure. <laughs> like, once it's set up and, you know, but, if it works but, well. But if I was fun. using it, if I was using it for all of my games, 
yeah. then then certainly some of that novelty would wear off, and I might be more of where Sam's at of making a, yeah. a more honest decision about okay, but what does that say about how ready the DM is or where the DM's head is, you know? So that might change if so, yeah, different if, experience. I'd like to make like one final kind of statement yes. to listeners. And, and, and that statement would be, you've now heard three guys talk about this sort of stuff, particularly the maps, minis, terrain and, and whatnot. And we're all in different spots, right? Like Jeff, you use a wet erase map and miniatures. Uh, I use, uh, you know, theater of the mind and, miniatures and maps and terrain and uh sam used miniatures and terrain and now has gone back the other direction and all three of us are saying we kind of like how our games run right we're happy (laughs) you know we're kind of happy with the where things are we we're kind of looking in the other directions i think like sam you've been there so you know what it's like you Mm -hmm. know i'm looking your direction thinking huh you know how cool would it be if my house burned down you know, and all I had was like a, a, an envelope mm-hmm. with paper in it, like the old days. And yeah. you know, so well, see, that's all... another factor, though. You know, when I started playing basic D and D, there was no right. I mean, for we a lot, bar- of... we barely had grenadier, like you know, yeah. lead Second miniatures. We were, we were. I was sketching things out on pieces eight and a half right. by eleven blank paper. Exactly. Um, and and we enjoyed our games. Um, and and that's basically what I did yesterday. Like I drew sketches on a wet erase map that were not at all to scale. Mm-hmm. Just because I wanted to be like, this is how big the room is, and this dot, that's how big you are, right? Yeah. Like, so my my point is, for anybody that's kind of listening to it, if you look at another style and say, I bet that game is 10 times better than mine, the the odds are it's not. The odds are maybe at best it's like maybe 20% better than yours, you know, like maybe at 10%. Best. At best, like, you yeah. know, 1.2 times as good as yours is about as good as you're going to get. And frankly, if you're a better DM, the game's going to be way better anyway. I, I, like, would, I would off the top of my head, without doing any deep analysis, say that uh, every hour I put into prepping, like, terrain and props and whatever, probably increases the quality of my game 2 to 5%. Yeah, that, I, I'd probably give you that. Yeah, I'd say that. I think I think a game that I run with a really good Dwarven Forge setup is well. I'm going to be so bold as to say 1.4 times as good, 40 percent better. But how long did it take you to set up that well, so, drain? So hold on. So hold on. So so let me say something though from the player perspective. If you're a player who really really enjoys tactical yeah. movement and yeah. and the tactical aspect of the game, then it's not true. Right. That the that the game with a really good map or a really good setup of Dwarven Forge is only ten percent better right. for that player. I'm that, really, about for that player, you want a grid it, and you're giving theater right. of the mind. They hate theater of the mind. It's going to be a lot. Yeah. Worse. So yeah. so you, you there's also some some amount of know thyself, right? Right. right. Like it's 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 not just a sur- well, sort I mean, of strict. Godly, it's by yeah. numbers, right? Yeah. God knows. I've asked my players. Like I've run it and said, "How did you feel about this game?" Compared to games where we use Dwarven Forge or whatnot, yeah. and they're like, yeah, they're both good. So actually, forty percent better is probably. So I'm thinking about this. I ran, I ran a game where I had the brand new Dwarven Forge castles. They I tre- I built this like four story or five story high watchtower that they had to infiltrate, and they got to look at the whole thing and decide how they were going to break in, which way they were going to go. They were going through rooms. I was pulling parts of the towers off so they could see inside of it. All kinds of crazy stuff, right? It was this really big arrangement, and they loved it. They had a lot of fun mm-hmm. figuring out how to break in. It was very theater of the mindy because it wasn't like constant 
constant combat. They mm-hmm. actually had a model to figure out how they were going to break into a castle, right? Which is fun. And then if I compare how much fun they were having with that, based on my my gauge of how much they enjoyed it, compared to the one I ran yesterday, where they were running around in a big tomb that I just described to them and then drew tiny little sketches. And they had one big fight at the end where I did have minis, but the minis were like, these are what the guys look like. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't right. it wasn't right. gridded at all. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say that probably the one with the tower was more fun, but maybe like 15% better, you know, and the cost of it was significantly higher. Yeah. <laughs> Both in setup time and in teardown time and certainly in, in monetary cost. Mm-hmm. So, so my point is for anybody who thinks like, wow, that, that Dwarven Forge with the castle, you know, that D&D game with the castle, that must be 10 times better. It ain't. It ain't 10 times. With the, with the same DM, it's probably maybe 15% better. Okay, I think that's fair, and that's probably a good place to uh, to wrap things up. So, uh, any last thoughts before we say goodbye? Well, yes, I want to address the the paradox that Mike and I were talking about, where he he was saying he has all this stuff and it doesn't make his game better, but yet he doesn't want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So he has this hypothesis that it makes the game better, and he's not sure. You're right. So that's what we're talking about. So he's not he's not sure. And I said I don't believe that it makes that it does or does not make the game better. But the reason is because, in some respects, the mix of how much you're doing each different type of activity, explore, interaction, combat, and the mix that you're doing each type of map, Dwarven Forge, Theater of the Mind, you know, miniature versus, you know, a little dot kind of thing. Like, the mixture there is part of what keeps things fresh and exciting and new and interesting, and it makes you wrap, you know, like that that thing with the tower sounds freaking awesome. Like, I would love to play in that game. But part of it's, the part of the reason I would love to play it is because I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. But if you had that same thing every single time, it would not be as exciting. Oh, yeah, it worked, it worked once. Yeah, yeah, right. So, you know, so that's why i say that there's this paradox where i got rid of that stuff and i think i love my games you know my my games are fine it's not that i think i reduced their their fun ratio or whatever right um but yeah so i i don't know it's an interesting uh it's an interesting topic but there is definitely a know thyself Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah any other last thoughts before we wrap it up uh, so just just one I know I already gave my big last final thought which is <laughs> don't don't assume that it's better but the other thing I'll say is like if you're not invested yet in miniatures and terrain really 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 think hard before you start because it is a never ending cycle <laughs> and really your game is can be really like there are other areas as a DM that you can invest in not in money but in in your own experience and energy uh, that will likely make your game way more entertaining for your players than buying miniatures and terrain yeah, Very good. yeah. Before you make the decision to spend all that money and time, uh, look at look up at least three other things that you could work on or improve or change about your game that right. don't require that that investment. I think that's fair. All right, then I'm going to go ahead and call that the end of the episode. You know, I'll... I want a comment from you. A last yeah, didn't me? you say you had like, yeah, you had, like three just, questions, but then right. you only asked I one of your Mike final, and I talked your, for like an What's hour. your final assessment of all of this? <laughs> my, my three bullet points were why, how, and other. Like, we covered them. <laughs> so, uh, right, but what, you know, what's your final final word? My final word is, I don't know. <laughs> Lame. That's, that's, yeah, I mean, I, I have to, I'm, I'm looking at my own 
habits, right? And and I don't know that I'm ready to purge anything from my life. Um, I certainly have some things on my shelf that I don't play, and I, ne- I and I've never or I never will play. But like, I have fond memories of my gaming childhood with you know those second edition AD and D books or uh, first edition Shadowrun or whatever that are up on those shelves. There's there's nostalgia there, and I only have uh, one and a half book cases full of books at this point. Um, you know, I could I get rid of my my third edition stuff that I'll probably never go back to. I don't know, probably. Um, but I don't I don't feel like the clutter is a problem that I need to solve, and it's not a distraction because I don't, I never consider whether or not to use them or not. I just don't use them. Uh, I might find myself trying to be more careful about what I do with my Kickstarter habits, right? Um, because I have backed, and we talked about PDFs or whatever. I have backed a handful of PDFs, and and some of them like. I'm really fond of, but it also occurs to me like I don't know if I'm ever going to use that that um, religion um, fifth edition supplement from Green Ronin as awesome as it is. You know, um, uh, when it comes out, I don't know how much uh, I'm going to really dive into the uh, fifth edition Midgard stuff that I kickstarted, although it's not out yet, and it might turn out to be something that I embrace wholeheartedly. Although there's parts of it I think I will. Um, so I think I'm just going to try to be a little more try to get back to being a little more discriminating about what I back and where, where what I get in terms of PDFs. Um, and, and as it is, I, I don't pick up a lot of extra stuff from, uh, other than, you know, a box of minis every month or two. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm not going to change my habits much. Am I? That's right, what I got right. out of this. I, I'm and, that's to- and that's I'm, totally right. okay. I'm happy yeah. with where I'm at and things are going well. So I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to make big changes. I, I have come to know myself, and I've, be, I've already made some changes in terms of how I run my game and that kind of stuff, and I'm pretty okay with where I'm at. So, yeah. yeah. That's me. Yeah, and, le- and I just want to add one thing. You're talking about your like your fond memories of second. I am I am absolutely telling any of you who are listening to this thinking, oh yeah, I should get rid of a bunch of stuff. Do not get <laughs> rid of something that that a loved one gave you. that you really hold dear don't get rid of something that holds you know like the very first edition you played you know don't get rid of that unless you are absolutely sure because it has memory it's that's beyond the value of just having the book right Mm -hmm. um but if you've got 50 other items then you know you don't need those right i'd be i'd be careful getting rid of anything you don't think you can get back yep absolutely yeah you know, oh like, well, that's you know that's one of the criteria is that it, if if I if it's if it's easy to find something on PDF, I, it's a lot easier for me to get rid of the hard copy right, if right. I haven't used that thing, right? Yeah. Like there's a whole you really can't just decide to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You really have to think about this because it's not even you know I talk about how I go through like a logical algorithm, but really it's an emotional thing because this is our hobby. This is this is what I do when I'm not working, you know, and and I have a great love for a great many things and a great many people in this hobby and so there are emotions attached um and it's it's not as it's not quite as easy as just putting an algorithm and saying yeah get Mm -hmm. rid of that thing there's there's also emotional things you have to take into account so yeah don't touch everything you own touch everything you own determine whether (laughs) or not it brings you joy (laughs) and get rid of everything that doesn't right (laughs) all right so now can i end the episode Yes. yes. All right. I'm going to end the episode. I'm going to say thank you to Noble Knight for supporting the show. I want to say thank you to Mike and Sam. Mike, if people want to see more Mike Shea, where should they go? Slyflourish.com and Twitter.com slash Slyflourish. And Sam, where should people go if they want more Sam? 
rpgmusings.com and twitter.com slash dmsamuel or play on target podcast there you go uh, and I want to thank all of you for supporting the show. I want to, for you, blah, 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 supporting the show by <laughs> using things like the affiliate links at Amazon or DMs Guild. You get the same great service, but we get a, a small percentage that helps support the show. Uh, you could also support us over at patreon.com slash the tome show. That's Patreon, P A T R E O N. Uh, you can support us there on a monthly basis, just like Stephen Robertson, Jeremiah McCoy, Robert Aducci, Matt Bible, Doug Palmer, and Mark. Is that everybody? That is, oh, and Mark Richmond. He has a last name now. There we go. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com or call the bizline at 919-BizTome. This has been 200, episode 287, where we've gotten rid of all the, the chaff and now all we have left is wheat, right? Oh no. Does that mean the episode's not gluten-free? Nah. <laughs> All right. Well, then we're going to go ahead and end this episode of The Tone, The Tone, The Tone, The Tone, The Tone, The Tone. I'm on the wall.